You're listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration, and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 81. Well, hey there, Amy here. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Happy and Healthy Podcast. And to all of you who messaged me about the last podcast with Molly Zive about self-love, thank you for all the kind words and feedback. I have passed all of it on to Molly Zive as well. So I just got back from a wonderful two-week vacation in Michigan to visit my folks, who I hadn't got to see in person or hugged in over 18 months. It was definitely long overdue, and I can't wait to see them again in December for Christmas and New Year's. So one of the highlights was the fishing trip that we went on where actually it was back-to-back days. And in the first trip, we caught three fish. And in the second one, we caught seven. And, well, one of the funniest scenes was actually my mom, who's now 83, asking my partner, Matt, to perform the lucky fish dance because, well, the fish weren't biting yet. (laughs) It's a really, really cute video. And... While I was there, I also had a conversation with my dad about aging and specifically who will take care of me when I get older, if it's needed. And his point, or let's say his point of concern was that I have no kids and well, Matt and I aren't married. And well, the conversation went something like this. Matt and I have talked about it, and we do have plans in place. Dad, well, I'm still worried. Me, (laughs) well, worrying doesn't really do any good. Dad, well, that's true. Probably not the answer that my dad was looking for, but oh well. (laughs) I share this story with you as a segue to today's topic about stress and when it's a good thing. So what exactly is worry? And the definition that I am going to use is really one where we are allowing our mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles, right? So this ends up creating a state of stress or anxiety or in my dad's case, a feeling of concern about something bad that might happen, right? So this is all about anticipation. And we've heard that stress is really bad for us, right? It's toxic and we need to learn how to lower it or manage it. So for those of you who want to take a deeper dive into this topic, I encourage you to check out the book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by Robert Sapolsky. And here's the teaser from the back cover. Robert Sapolsky's acclaimed Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers combines cutting edge research with a healthy dose of good humor and practical advice 
to explain how prolonged stress causes or intensifies a range of physical and mental afflictions, including depression, ulcers, colitis, heart disease, and more. When we worry or experience stress, our body turns on the same physiological responses that an animal's body does. But we usually do not turn off the stress response in the same way through fighting, fleeing, or other quick actions. Over time, this chronic activation of the stress response can make us literally sick. So, is stress bad for us? Well, the answer is actually, it depends. This message that stress is toxic, it's oversimplified. Stress isn't all bad. And in this episode, I'm going to make the case for when stress is actually a good thing. So, to start, let's establish some working definitions. When we look at a situation, right, this is what is actually happening. (laughs) Actually, Matt likes to talk about a crisis requires that someone's actually bleeding or, or there's something on fire. Otherwise, it's just a situation that needs to be handled. Well, I would say that both are actually situations, but it does drive home the point that people experience the same things differently. And some experience everyday situations as a crisis, as an emergency, while others are really able to make a clear distinction and respond differently as a result. So the type of stressors that we're talking about fall into a few categories, okay? So when it comes to physical stressors, we have acute ones that are transient or temporary in nature. So this would be like that zebra being chased by a tiger or a lion. For us, it could be being in a car accident. So this is where you perceive a threat to your safety and survival. Again, these tend to be acute in intensity and transient in duration, so temporary. And then we have chronic physical stressors. So back before we had plentiful food, right, we dealt with feast and famine. I would say these days, some chronic physical stressors could be lack of sleep, right, or dehydration. And then the next category is the psychological stressors. And this is really why Robert Sapolsky makes that observation that zebras don't get ulcers because zebras don't have the ability that we have to anticipate what could happen. So an acute transient psychological stressor could be a looming deadline. It could be public speaking, an important presentation that you have tomorrow, or even commute traffic where you're thinking you may be late for something. And then chronic psychological stressors include concerns about your job, right? Getting a job, paying your bills, 
how your kids are doing in school. And like the conversation I had with my dad, worrying about the effects of aging, right? The health of a loved one, or even with COVID-19, maybe it's about getting sick yourself. So what's important to understand is that these stressors trigger a stress response in our body. So this is what occurs when something you care about is at stake. So much like the zebra, in our bodies, there are specific adaptations that are brought about by the stress response. So our bodies are especially good at marshalling resources to respond to acute physical stressors, right? It's all about our survival. And then to a lesser extent, the chronic ones like famine, where our body will automatically slow down our metabolism to conserve energy, which is why diets that restrict calories usually end up backfiring. So when we talk about that ability to marshal resources for survival, this means there's a rapid mobilization of energy from our body's storage sites and an inhibition of further storage. So stress hormones that you've probably heard about are things like cortisol and adrenaline, which do things like cause our heart rate to increase, right? Our our heart starts pumping faster, our blood pressure goes up, right? Our blood glucose levels, so that energy in our bloodstream, that's the readily available energy source for our muscles goes up. Our cognition is sharpened, so our memory improves, and we become really, really focused to the point where we can actually develop tunnel vision. Part of the stress response also then halts the long-term projects in our body. These are the things that are occurring when we're thriving, when we're not in just survival mode. So this means that the stress response inhibits things like pain, tissue repair, digestion, sex drive, and our immune system response, right? These are all things that really aren't needed when you're just trying to survive to live another day. So again, when you think about it, the last thing you want to do is be focused on pain when you're trying to run away from something that's threatening your life, right? It's also not the time to be doing tissue repair unless you happen to be Wolverine from the X-Men comics, right? (laughs) And then things like spending energy on digesting food isn't needed, nor is your sex drive or again, your immune system response when you're just fighting for your survival. So the modern day equivalent would be you wouldn't want to suddenly feel horny in the middle of giving a big presentation on stage, (laughs) right? Now, one hormone that isn't often talked about that's part of the stress response is actually the release of oxytocin. So 
For those of you who've been listening to this podcast, you are familiar with oxytocin, right? This is the cuddle hormone. It is what is produced when like moms are nursing their babies or when we hug someone. So this is all about connection with others. And when we talk about oxytocin as part of our stress response, then in many ways, this is about preventing isolation. It's about fostering relationships. And it's about fulfilling the human need for love and belonging. And then when you think about it, when you care about someone, right, then you also want to spend energy and effort on taking care of someone else. So helping someone else. Now here's the rub. Your brain's stress response doesn't differentiate between physical and psychological stressors, right? That anticipation of something going wrong, those things that you imagine. These are not things that the zebra can do which is why zebras don't get ulcers. (laughs) So if you want to get really specific, our body is always seeking allostasis. It's not even homeostasis where it's about an ideal set point. Allostasis is about optimizing for the situation. So you have a set point for when you're at rest or you're sleeping But it's a different set point from, say, going for a jog or climbing stairs or running away from a tiger. And like a lot of things for the human body, the stress response actually follows like a U-shape. There's actually a sweet spot. So what do I mean by that? There's actually such a thing as getting too little or too much. When you think about the human body, right, we need water. We need enough water. Too little, not good for us. Too much, not good for us. Same thing with food, right? What are some other things? Too much sleep versus too little sleep. Not enough sunshine. Too much sunshine. Movement. And definitely certain medications. It's literally why doctors prescribe specific dosages. Which means now it's really helpful to think about the stress response, not as something happening to us, but rather happening for us. And then the other thing that's really important is to recognize that we are really well suited for those transient stressors, not the chronic ones. So when you look at things like exercise, and specifically, I'll talk about strength training. We're always talking about progressive overload in order to build muscle. So we put a little bit of stress on those muscles, right? We give it time to recover and repair tissue and we get stronger. But if you try to lift too much weight, chances are you either won't be able to do it or you'll get injured. And if there's not enough rest between strength training sessions, then again, your body doesn't have time to rebuild and recover. And so this will also lead to injury. 
Again, exercise is about that U shape. We want to get enough, but not too much. Now, when we look at chronic stress, what does that actually mean for our body? It means with those stress hormones, there will be an ongoing elevation of our heart rate, our blood pressure, right, the blood glucose levels, as well as a suppression of our sex drive and our immune system response. So ultimately, it's like opening the door and then not shutting it or having a switch or spigot stuck in the on position. It's really about how it increases our chances of developing heart disease and type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and even cancer. Now, to be perfectly clear, in the book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, Robert Sapolsky emphasizes that stress does not actually cause these illnesses, but it can make you more susceptible. So if we want to take advantage of that stress response, what we want to do is always look to reframe a situation so that we perceive the stressor as short in duration, right, a temporary one, and of moderate intensity. In other words, it's a challenge that's within your reach and not overwhelming. So, Deadlines are a great example of a way to create a sense of urgency. And well, for those of you who are good at procrastination, (laughs) you get to experience the thrill of procrastination. And with that deadline, what happens? Your motivation goes up, you become more focused, and when you're confident that you can get the outcome you desire, you will take action. And let me just say, I was really, really good at procrastination. Okay, as opposed to, say, my sister who, when she got an assignment, she started working on it right away. So if there was two weeks to get the project done, my sister started working on it that same evening. I would wait until like three or four days before it was due. (laughs) That was the way that I could really focus, right? So... I said here that we want to make sure that we look at a situation so that it's a challenge within our reach. If you don't believe, right, if you don't have confidence that you can get the outcome you desire, then you will likely avoid taking action. And again, when we talk about chronic stress, worry isn't helpful. As a matter of fact, I think Leo Buscaglia sums it up perfectly when he said, worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. So if you catch yourself worrying, I want you to ask yourself, what's the payoff? Because human behavior is pretty much always motivated by some kind of payoff. The obvious ones are things like food, water, sex, but some of the less obvious ones can be things like social approval, 
right? Fitting in, acceptance, the need to achieve, or to avoid risk, uncertainty, or discomfort, right? So maybe worrying about your kid's future, as an example, is a way to signal to the other moms that you care, right? This is about being a good mom. And this is a way to gain their approval, right? To be accepted into the group. But notice here, gaining their approval and fitting in is not actually an outcome we can control. So when you look at any situation, I want you to determine what aspects you have control over and focus on those. And then to the best of your ability, let go of the rest. And one more thing, I talked about that oxytocin. So if you still find yourself feeling stressed, I want you to remember that you're not alone. In addition to cortisol and adrenaline, the oxytocin may be giving you the urge to connect with others. There's strength in numbers. So I encourage you then to talk about what's troubling you and deepen your friendships. Get another perspective. Or you can try focusing on what you already have. Focus on gratitude and pay it forward. So to recap, When I talk about stress being a good thing, this is all about reframing situations so that you experience transient stress as stimulation. And the stress response means you're focused, alert, and motivated. So again, we're going for that moderate intensity where you see things as a challenge and not overwhelming, and it's of a short duration. And if you find yourself worrying or feeling overwhelmed, if you're paralyzed by perfectionism, when you become aware of this, I want you to remind yourself that how you think about something can transform its effect on you. Again, how you think about something can transform its effect on you. In other words, when you think about stress, I want you to remember that your stress response is happening for you, not to you. So if you want some prompts on how to reframe a situation, I encourage you to download the TLC worksheet And you can go to the show notes for the link there. And lastly, when you're feeling stressed, if you have the urge to talk about it, please reach out to someone. And that someone can definitely include me as well. So again, there is a link to a mini coaching session with me in the show notes. And if you have a craving to feel better, right? You want to soothe yourself. You can try deep breaths, right? You can eat a pint of ice cream (laughs) 
Or you could try the calorie-free method of focusing your attention on helping someone else. And then really notice how you feel afterwards. Because responding to stress this way builds strength and resilience. So I'm going to wrap up today's podcast with a quote by J. Willard Marriott. Good timber does not grow with ease. The stronger the wind, the stronger the trees. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E hyphen club.com and sign up for a free 20-minute coaching session with me. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens. <laughs>